I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. Part 6. The Eternal Life of the New Jerusalem I'm not one to be afraid of the dark. I actually like sleeping in complete darkness. But when I get up in the night and have to feel my way around, I realize I don't love darkness either. It must be navigated to avoid stumbling, both literally and figuratively. I remember once after my husband was carjacked that the policeman making out the report told us no decent person should really be out after 10 p.m. I'm not sure I'm willing to concede that point 100%, but many crimes do occur in the dark. There are fewer people out then, and some, if not most, of the ones out in the wee hours of the dark morning really are up to no good. We know that Judas betrayed Jesus in the dark. We also know that Jesus' flawed semblance of a trial also occurred in the middle of the night, resulting not only in a miscarriage of justice, but ultimately in the death of the most innocent holy man who ever walked the face of the earth. As Christian followers, we understand that darkness as we now experience it will have an expiration date. When Jesus comes again in all his glory, we know his arrival will permanently eradicate all darkness, both spiritual and literal. The Apostle John refers to a new heaven and a new earth in Revelation 21.1. In this privileged glimpse into the future he experienced, John reported that the first heaven and earth is destined to pass away. In this glimpse, he saw the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. He then heard a loud voice who proclaimed, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. In verse 23, John declares, The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Nigh will be obliterated from the heavenly landscape and from our flawed incarnate hearts. As I prepared this podcast, I paused to contemplate what this truth really means for us. For one thing, it means we will be bathed in light 24-7, and there will be no need for sleep. Keep in mind next time you are praying for more energy, that you will not always have to do so. It also means that we will never again experience a dark night of the soul, because all our deepest longings will be met at last. Our heart's desires will be fully met on that day, by the one who created, redeemed, and ultimately will restore us. It struck me in a fresh way that even though we Christians experience spiritual and literal darkness this side of eternity, the light of the world illuminates our hearts and our actions long before he will steal our destiny. In Galatians 2.20, Paul reminds us that Christ lives in each and every one of us. Our hearts and souls are illuminated, and darkness can be cast out when we are mindful of its powerful presence. And if we are bold, we strive to share our light so others will be drawn to the divine source from which it radiates. For now, we are in a holding pattern as we anticipate the Lord's glorious reappearing. But just as we can turn on a light in the darkness, so we can set an intention to share the light that dwells in us in the meantime. We are reminded in Acts thirteen forty seven that the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. As long as we live and breathe, we can undertake this divine assignment in joy and gratitude for all God has done for us. May we share our light 
and do our part to illuminate in the sphere of influence in which God has positioned us. I'd like to now share an excerpt from my third book, The Vault Door, and this is entitled, Land Worth Securing, The Ultimate Promised Land. Blame old cartoons for the flowing white robe, park, and cloud seat that popular culture has associated with heavenly dwelling. Whenever a cartoon character would die, soft and soothing heart music would play in the background as these stereotypical props would appear. We read nowhere in the Bible of this sort of scenario regarding Heman. Fortunately, in this day and age, we are blessed to live at a time when Christian writers are eager to take up the topic of what heaven might be like. Gifted authors like Randy Alcorn are making important inroads in unraveling what remains at best a mystery and at worst an obstacle that challenges our contemporary world views, mired in Western thought and in the limitations of our humanity. Less effective and decidedly less accurate are the depictions of heaven put forth in films and television shows. Even so, the idea of eating whenever we want to our heart's content, as depicted in the 1991 film Defending Your Life, certainly holds some appeal, but I digress. Some films and books of late feature people who claim to have died and have been resuscitated, revealing some of the things they have seen and heard. I will not debate the validity of those stories in these pages. The important things to know about heaven, in my mind, lie in what we can expect when we get there, and the hard fact that those who belong to God are 100% guaranteed to arrive at that destination. Jesus himself promised that he was spearheading this eternal effort. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. Jesus said this in John 14, 2. He assures us there will be plenty of room for his beloved children and that he himself will be making the preparations. Imagine a luxury hotel setting. Perhaps there's a card with your name on it welcoming you, or a chocolate on your pillow, or other personal touches that make you feel special or important. We can't, in our wildest dreams, imagine the eternal riches we are poised to inherit. We receive insightful glimpses of heaven's specifications in Revelation 21 and 22. The overall picture is that of a bride adored for her husband. Our God is well-versed in divine order. Everything will be an unprecedented delight to all of our senses. We'll feast our eyes on the finest building materials, and we will inhale heady, heavenly aromas. In 2 Corinthians 2.15, we read of the fragrance of Christ. This will bear sharp contrast to our perpetually earthly bodies as they battle body odor and also kitchen stench. Fine wine may be a part of the aromas and tasty flavors to be enjoyed in eternity. Jesus says in Mark 14, 25, that he will drink the fruit of the vine with his people in heaven. And in Revelation 22, we read of the tree of life. So some assume there will be fabulous fruit in heaven as well. We read what isn't in heaven too. No more crying, pain, darkness, or wickedness. What could be more heavenly than that? And the keys to kingdom living are, prepare your heart and senses to be dazzled by eternity. And the doorpost is, but it is written, what eye did not see and ear did not hear, and what never entered the human mind, God prepared this for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. 
Thank you for joining us today for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her blogs can be found on her website, cindyyorks.com. Her entire Door Devotion trilogy is now available on Amazon.